0: Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics.
1: Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.
0: Praise you, God. Lord, today we thank you for everything you've given us. We thank you for the bounty of blessings that you bestow upon us. Thank you for the gift of community, and for perspective, and for learning from one another. And God, today I ask that you send a spirit of gratitude and a spirit of resilience as we head into Lent, um, and as we continue through our journey of growth and community with one another.
1: Your name, we pray, Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. So excited today to kind of go back to our roots. Uh, um, the inspiration for the show was from the Raging Cajun Catholics and. Uh, Thanks to Father Sibley for letting us use that name. And today I have Miss Lizzie Jurek.
0: Hello, hello. She is
1: a what year, Ian?
0: I'm going to be a senior Senior. at ULL.
1: Beautiful in psychology. And we're just so blessed to have her on the show. Uh, She's got a great story to tell. But tell us a little bit about yourself, Lizzie.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I was born and raised in Lafayette. Um, My dad was campus minister at STM and at UL in the 90s, kind of bounced around before opening his private practice.
1: Her dad is Dan Jurek. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know the name. Pax Renewal.
0: (laughs) Yep. And so he was definitely my inspiration to go into psychology. Um, Yeah, so born and raised, me and my siblings were homeschooled and that led with like an incredible opportunity to travel because we had so much freedom and we had a lot of family over the country because my parents are originally from Chicago Midwest area Really So yeah
1: my dad was from Chicago Hey we have look a lot in that. common you and I We really do yeah. <laughs>
0: We've been finding little nuggets of yeah. income all morning. But, yeah, so they moved down here whenever the opportunity to be campus minister and teach at STM opened up. And they fell in love with the culture and the community, and they never never moved back. So That's yeah. beautiful.
1: So um, just give me your take on the Cajun Catholics, the name in general, and the raging Cajun Catholics. But what, what do you think of when you hear that?
0: Oh, well, for sure, it's my home at Our Lady of Wisdom. I mean, that is like such a place of security and community for me um, partially because I grew up in that so from a young age I remember helping with my mom with the campus ministry there for the little ones and then um, I went to high school youth group there under Miss Veronica Pagan and I've been working with her for years and now got confirmed with her and I'm a part of the college team there helping with the youth group and then into John 15 and other organizations that um, the raging Cajun Catholics do, and it is mm-hmm. just such a home base for me. There's a lot of people there who I've grown up with. Like we. Wow. Me- have known each other since we were maybe 12 or 13, and just Mm -hmm. that friendships have continued to grow. So definitely a place to place. So
1: I was in a duck blind with Father Stephen Pelletier not long ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, is he the main guy now? Oh,
0: well, him, he's the associate pastor, Father Broussard. Broussard, Patrick Broussard, Is the head honcho over there now.
1: Beautiful. Well, y'all really have a special thing going. It's uh, during Lent, and this is that time, right? I I do a lot of mass, daily mass at UL, and it's very inspiring because there's so many students there. And it's just a special place. Oh, it it really really is. is. Yeah, y'all got it going on. All right, so Lizzie's here today partly because she is a missionary, and she is just returning. If you can believe it, a little girl from Lafayette was just in Calcutta.
0: Calcutta, India.
1: How do you get there? What happened? How did that happen?
0: Yeah, so it's a whole roller coaster for sure. Buckle up. So two years ago, so 2021 summer, Coming out of COVID, I really just wanted to do something with my summer. I was feeling restless, felt like I'd been robbed a year, um, as I think a lot of college students had. And so I was looking around for something to do, and summer projects by focus came on my radar. And I was just really pulling for it, trying to make it happen, and the doors were not opening. I was like, everyone's telling me this is good, like why isn't it two and two fitting together? And so my mom, um, as all mothers, kind of have an intuition of, hey, this might be better, but they kind of let you figure it out. Um, she was like, hey, how about this camp in North Carolina? And it's Camps Catalina and Chastatanga.
1: Ooh, my uh, kids went there uh, too. Uh,
0: yeah, So the CheerFent family is an incredible family who opened the summer camp in North Carolina. Amazing. And my dad had connections with Miss Ann through STM um, and just recruitment for the past couple of years. And so she was like, you should really look into this. Well... Two years later, I'm signed up to go to the camp again this coming summer, and it has been one of the most incredible communities I've ever encountered, incredible experiences, and some of my closest friends now, mm-hmm. people who I see being in my wedding years down the road are people who i met at this camp. And so this past summer, um, we were all joking with Adam Trufant, the head of uh, Catalina. the man. He is the man, and we were like, Adam, we just, once a year hanging out together, it's not enough, like we need to do something in the off season. And he was like, okay, kind of stuck it in his back pocket. (laughs) And this past October, um, so October of 22, he sent out an email and was like, all right, guys, Calcutta, India, what do you think? But we got to act fast. Like, let's do it in December, figure it out within the next week and a half or we can't do it at all, right? And so 20 of us signed up immediately and then it wheedled down to about 18 of us who committed and put in the time and the effort to fundraise and make it happen Mm. so and a lot of those people were i'd say about half of those people were really close friends of mine and so the community was there the leadership was there now the funds
1: Mm, yeah (laughs) was the big was
0: the big struggle and i was like no way i'm a broke college student i work my summers at a summer camp i do not have the funds um But I just felt in my heart like from the the week that Adam announced the trip to the first deadline of payment, every day I was going to Mass, I was praying. Even if I wasn't, Mother Teresa or poverty or helping the poor would just kind of pop up in my life to the fact that one day I opened my drawer and I found these Saint Mother Teresa socks (laughs) in my drawer that I didn't even remember that I had that I'd gotten in high school. And just little things like that where I was like, Oh, she's, she's, calling she's calling me. She's picked me. I think the answer is yes. And so through a really gracious donation of my aunt for the down payment, I was able to go and so started fundraising. And the bulk of it was covered by the time that I left for the trip. So mm-hmm. everything was paid off. Everything was good. And it was just, I was calling it the pilgrimage before the mission because um, one of my mentors at Wisdom, one of the focus missionaries, we were talking about it, and every day I was praying for a financial miracle. I was like, Lord, like, mm. I have tests, I have exams, I have to be studious to my commitment here, but I've also committed to travel now, and that's a debt that, like, just has to be paid. Um, there's just, like, priorities that have to be taken care of in terms of traveling abroad because it's a big ordeal, right? And so every day I was praying for a financial miracle, and just, like, every day there was— I would pray the litany of trust, and it was all of these— if you've ever prayed the litany of trust— it, it hits places you didn't know. You Tell were me more
1: about in. it. Tell our listeners. How do you yeah. find that?
0: So the Litany of Trust, you can find it on pretty much any Catholic app. Um, or you can look. I think the Catechism, like the Catholic websites also have it. Okay. And It's also on the Raging Cajun Catholic Prayer app as well, um, which is a great app if you don't have it. Super easy, great prayers. Um, yeah, just super handy tool to aid you in your daily prayer life. But the Litany of Trust is this beautiful litany that goes through things like from help me to understand that it is not me but you. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I trust in you. Um, Other lines, um, deliver me from the belief that I can do it on my own. Just, Sounds
1: like something good for Lent.
0: Right. It's yeah. amazing for Lent. And I'll yeah. tell you what, I prayed this every day leading up to the trip. And it was the only thing that bring, brought me any kind of peace. And people would ask it. me, how are you doing? Like the prep for India, prep for finals. And I was like, you know what? I should be more stressed than I am. Like by all accounts, I should be freaking out right <laughs> now. But because I was praying this every day, it was just like my, my home base that I led back to. That I was like, you know what, Lord? Like this is not on my own strength that I'm going. This is you.
1: All right, let's get into Calcutta. So you, you go from Houston or New Orleans?
0: We went from New Orleans to, to New York.
1: Okay. New yeah.
0: York to Helsinki, Finland. Okay. Helsinki to New Delhi. New Delhi to de Kolkata or say Calcutta. What? Yeah.
1: And I saw looking it up today, they changed their name. Calcutta's is now co- how you say it. Kokura. Yes.
0: And that is an attempt to actually go back to the original name. So when the British colonized it, it became Calcutta. Mm -hmm. and built the infrastructure that is very much european style Mm -hmm. um which is a part of the poverty is the thing that they brought in this whole economy and infrastructure that couldn't be maintained and then when the british retreated um and left it back to the native people it kind of fell into the disarray the calcutta that we know of mother Teresa's time
1: okay when i go on mission trips i tell people that there's a lot of When I go to these foreign places like the Holy Land and whatnot, it reminds me of home in a way, and I don't know if your experience was like that, if the flowers were sort of the same or the smells, but tell me your impression of of Calcutta.
0: It is so drastically different than anything I've ever experienced, right down to the driving. I'm sure everyone's heard about the driving and India. There's no rules. It's all willy-nilly. feels like live-action Mario Kart, right? (laughs) Um, And so my first initial reaction was just how vibrant everything was. It was colorful. There were flowers everywhere, down to the people's dress and their native saris, right? Um, And it was just beautiful, but in its own kind of chaotic way. In terms of how it reminded me of home, it... The only thing that really reminded me of home was people were very excited to greet you. Mm -hmm. So like, you'd be walking down the street and they meet you with this big smile and they know the one word, hello, hello, or hi. And they were just met you with this like enthusiasm. Um, And Calcutta is actually called the city of joy. Mm -hmm. And at first when we arrived, we were like, okay, like whatever, it's kind of like a rundown, like raggedy, like very different than modern America, right? And um, as we were there longer and longer, we really began to realize, like, no, like, it's a city of joy because these people live in such simplicity that they just, they don't have reasons to worry. Like, they trust that they're going to live every day with their eyes on Christ or with their eyes just on the next thing. Because the predominant, excuse me, the predominant religion there is Hindi. Um, The Hindu or the Muslim traditions and the religions. Um, So that was a huge thing to encounter is like even with that vast like we're christians there are these other religions like the joy that they had encountering us was how really do you
1: incredible. feel they view americans
0: mixed <laughs> <laughs> for the most part we were really welcomed and they really enjoyed having us because primarily our money goes a lot farther and they know that our money goes a lot farther and mm-hmm. so they know that they can get a lot more money out of us whereas like so they have the rupee the currency there mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and Eighty rupees is like one American dollar. And so if they'll bump up prices. <laughs> so they love okay. having Americans in their stores. They like Americans. the tourists. They love the tourism, yeah.
1: Okay. And so Adam was on the trip with Adam
0: Truffant led the Man. trip. New baby and he was raring to go. Um
1: you have to bring him as a guest on the show. Oh,
0: absolutely. Right,
1: we're going to have to do we'll that. We'll get him in. We'll get him I know, in. And did he bring his guitar? Did y'all sing? He brought
0: a little ukulele.
1: Okay. And
0: and this is getting into some of the core memories, but we were in Victoria Memorial one day, which is this beautiful open park. And we're just a group of Americans sitting around, and he starts strumming on his little ukulele. And this flock of people just comes up to us, families wanting to take pictures with us. And then we're just having a good time. And a classic staple of any camp is John Denver's Country Roads, right? I love and it. so if you go to um, Camps Catalina Chastatonga's Instagram or Facebook, they have a video of all of us singing and dancing to Country Roads in Victoria Memorial in Calcutta. And it was just this great moment because this little little dude, probably 12 or 13, came up to us and he just Put himself right in the circle and started singing with us and swaying with us. And it was just such a sense of unity. Um, Of like, even though we were there, like, doing the mission work, like, that was just. Yeah, it was this welcoming factor that I think they really liked the energy and the playfulness that we brought.
1: So when you get there, do you go where Mother Teresa went? Or is that, give us the background? We did, we
0: did. So we pull up the very first experience we had stepping into the streets of Calcutta was outside of the mother house. And everyone knows mother house. Like I said, regardless of your religion, you know that the sisters are there. Mm Um, and so we pull up and literally the window that we step out on the curb in front of Adam pulls us aside and says, That's Mother's tomb. It's right in there. Oh, wow. So she greeted us into the city. Um, and it the biggest thing I've been telling people about it is you feel like you walk in Mother's footsteps when you go to help with the sisters. Um, so the mother house, they bring you in. You are offered to do mass with them at 6 a.m. every morning. You get your assignments after that of what house they need you to serve at because they have several different houses, including a leper community um, that volunteers can go help at, and that you work from 8.30 to 12 every day. And then sometimes the sisters need other help and other random things. Sometimes you're just free Mm -hmm. to explore um, or do whatever you need to do, reflect, pray. But yes, so you would walk into the mother house and it's mother's tomb right there. And then there's this famous picture of Mother Teresa and she's coming down a stairwell and it's the beautiful I Thirst crucifix behind her. Wow. And that was the stairwell that we had the privilege of walking up and down every day mm. to go to Mass where she went to Mass where the sisters go. And there's a little statue of her in the corner. So she never really felt far away. In fact, she felt like she was in your midst, like teaching you how she wanted you mm. to work and pray. And any sister you talked to had a, pretty much as she was over the age of 40, had a personal testimony um, wow. about mother. And so you could pull any sister aside and be like, sister, like, would you, would you mind sharing? Like, did you know her? What was she like? And some of the sisters would be a little bashful and be like, no, 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 like, it's not that important. And other sisters were really, really willing to share and had testimonies that would move them to tears. Um, and I asked one of the sisters, I was like, when you were with her, like, what did it feel like? Did it feel like you were in the presence of a great saint? Like, what was it like? And she was like, well, she was great. But she was our mother, and she was a great mother. And that was just, like, the essence of Mother Teresa from what I encountered of her there. Like, she was so present. Um, And when you do the service, so I worked at the house Shantidan, which is the home for the mentally and physically impaired women. And so every day we'd show up, and we'd help with the laundry because these women have to do all of the sheets and all of the clothes of 500 women every day just to keep it sanitary. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we'd start with laundry. I called it our fiddler on the roof era in the morning because we'd (laughs) do all the laundry and hang it all up. Um, But then in the afternoon, it was everything that you could imagine. Um, The most impactful of these moments may have just been the first day for me where you had to feed, hand feed a lot of these girls Mm -hmm. because they are um, in vegetative states or they're paralyzed or their motor skills are so poor that they can't feed themselves. Or some of them were so deformed that they were blind. And so the very first day, I was pulled to feed one of these girls. And it was, of course, the reading that morning, that was Matthew 25, 46, I think it is, where it was, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And as I was sitting here, literally just spoon-feeding this girl, giving her something to drink, it hit me. I was like, mother didn't do anything radical, anything special. She really didn't the way she did simple things was radical and was magnificent and was revolutionary because she saw the simple needs of people and she catered to them and that was it.
1: Small all things with great love. All right?
0: things with great love. And she was small just
1: things.
0: small things small and things. she did everything in her life like that. Um, yeah, and so that was like one of the most powerful experiences mm. for me is just that simple act of feeding someone. Or like, I mean, I feed my my nephew and my nieces, right? When they're itty bitty, and it's like, when she says, find your Calcutta, that's what she means. She means those interpersonal connections. And that's why she talks about America being the most spiritually impoverished. Like, because we don't have that joy that the simplicity of living simply or living on your daily bread brings you, right?
1: Ooh, this girl got it going on. <laughs> I, w- I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Cajun Catholics, and today's episode is featuring Lizzie Jurek. She's a senior in psychology at UL and is coming off a very profound trip to Calcutta, India, you just don't have a lot of Lafayette residents running to Calcutta these days. <laughs> you really and don't. And so we're super excited to hear her story and her testimony. And she's got a, a, a beautiful testimony and a beautiful love for Christ that you can see shining through her in the booth. I wish you could see her. She's very <laughs> joyful. But uh, I don't want to interrupt you, so continue on. Tell me some more stories from Calcutta.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, another story that there's several that just kind of hit you. One was it was about three days into to about three days into um, our mission there. And that was whenever we were kind of getting pulled to do a little more intense things, a little more hands-on things, at the house we were working at. And so I was greeting this one girl, held her hands, asked her how she was doing. And she goes, auntie, bathroom. And this girl's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And immediately my stomach kind of did a little turn. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I looked at this girl and I said, I'll find someone to help you with that. <laughs> and I walked to one of the older ladies who runs the home, the meshies they were called. Um, and I said, that she has to go to the bathroom. And she goes, okay, bathroom this way. And again, stomach did the little thing, that moment where you were like, ah, yeah. I have to do the hard thing. And so I just made the block, the little this little square courtyard that the house was in. I took the long way all the way around. I came back to the girl and I was like, all right, like we go to the bathroom. And it was again, catering, like I was talking about with feeding the young girl. It was like, how often do you think about feeding yourself or going to the bathroom? Like you don't, it's natural human like functions for us. Um, and so me and three of my other volunteer friends who were there all had this, horrendous beautiful bonding experience (laughs) of having to take this just girl after girl after girl because somehow that made us the bathroom
1: girls
0: to the bathroom and figuring out like how to make this a comfortable experience for them while also having the language barrier.
1: In our house, we talk show. about numbers one and two. We're one and two, both. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. It was all of the above. Oh, and, ouch then, babe. and then you know all of the beauty that comes with that s- of, of changing clothes wow. and cleaning wheelchairs, wow. and it was just the raw humanity. And in the moment, it was just like, oh my gosh! But looking back, it was really impactful because not only in that moment can I reflect back and be like, that was the hard choice. Like, in yeah. the simple thing of just saying yes to that, like. The volunteers, we really weren't pushed to do anything we weren't comfortable doing, which made it even more convicting whenever you had to be the one to say, am I going to step into this uncomfortable moment and serve the way I know I can, or am I going to be comfortable and say someone else can do it?
1: And then if you walk away, you really feel bad.
0: Exactly, and you're really called to that conviction of, so, I could just walk and go to the bathroom and like be like whatever. Yeah. This girl is completely reliant on someone else loving her well enough to wow. take her to the bathroom, to feed her, to clothe her. So, that was another just really impactful experience where in serving people, and again, those little ways. Um,
1: did they speak English?
0: Some of them did. Yeah. Some of them did. Most did not speak fluent English. Mm-hmm. Most spoke enough to get by of um, core words, bathroom, food, thirsty. Mm-hmm. Um, they refer to us as aunties. Um, and so that was not a whole lot to go off of. There's a lot of hand gestures that were kind of helpful in play. Um,
1: Here's my million-dollar question is, go. who would have took her to the bathroom if it wouldn't have been you? You know, were, y'all, were you amongst a lot of missionaries, or do they really need that help?
0: So apparently, pre-COVID, they had great numbers. Yeah. Post-COVID, from what Adam was saying, because he's made this trip six times before, wow. Um, he said it was shockingly slim um, compared to other years oh, he's been. Okay. Um, for us, it was, we had a good little group with each house we were at. Mm-hmm. There were other volunteers and there were women who were paid to be there. They work shifts. But I mean, there's maybe 20 women mm-hmm. working a house of 500 girls. Wow. Um, and I mean, that is their job, but it's like, yeah. no way you could be present to each and every girl, fully 110% all the time. Like, there's just impossible. So someone eventually maybe would have taken her to the bathroom, Mm. or maybe she would have just had to saturate herself. Like, you just, you don't know. But it's that choice of, am I going to love you well in this moment that I really learned from this girl? Um, And your question about speaking English, another really impactful moment for me as a student, right, who, a student who never really loved school. Like, I loved learning, mm-hmm. but the constructs of school. Like, I was never just, like, <laughs> stoked about it, as some people are. There's always a million things I'd rather be doing, right? And so, one really impactful moment for me was a couple, towards the end of the trip, one of these girls came up to me, and she wanted to show me how she could read and write in English. And this was a nonverbal girl. She was probably about 13 or 14. And she pulled me aside, And she showed me how she could, in English, write Monday through Sunday, and she could write all of the months of the year, and that was it, and her name. And so somehow that turned into the next couple of days, every day, the last couple hours of my shift, I would spend with these five girls teaching them English, Mm -hmm. and them being so excited to learn from someone who spoke it fluently, and just watching them be so determined to get it right and to be so convicted that this is what they wanted to do and this is how they wanted to spend their afternoon was learning. It it sparked this realization for me and this, um, I guess, appreciation for my education. Because in America, the culture and the expectation is that you go to college and you live the college life and it's a lifestyle and it's an aesthetic and then at the end of it you get a degree that you figure out something to do with. Mm -hmm. It's not this gravity anymore of Mm -hmm. learning English was this girl's tool. Like, this was her way that she was going to make a life for herself. And it was just a realization of, like, wow, like, I as a college student have lost that. Mm -hmm. Like, this is my tool. This is my, like, armor that I have to go and, like, pioneer a path for myself to do good and to, like, get myself in a good position, right?
1: It's the real why.
0: It's the real why. And I just realized that I had even lost sight of that. Um, And again, like, the spark for learning that I said I didn't naturally have, it's like that spark is a whole lot easier to ignite when you you see why you're trying to light it, Mm -hmm. right? And so that was just a really special, intimate experience that I had with those girls that was kind of like an ode to, like, hey, this is why you're in school, right? Because it's so easy to just drop out and find something meaningful to do in our world where, like, you really don't need college. Like, there's so many people who are making perfectly well careers and lifestyles without degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's that expectation, and then it was that kindering for me of, oh, wow, I do want to do what I'm studying, and I do want to have this tool, because that's what education is. It's a tool, right?
1: That's awesome. Just a few minutes left on the show, and I'm so enjoying Lizzie's testimony. And uh, tell me, Lizzie's prayer life before and after Calcutta, has it changed?
0: Before, like I said, I kind of had that pre-pilgrimage time where I was just like relying on Christ every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so truthfully, I felt like that was the time where I built up the graces Mm -hmm. and built up the, the prayer life that I needed to carry me through Calcutta. So just saying yes to the trip drastically changed my prayer life. And now I had a purpose. Now I had Now I had to cling to him or else I wasn't getting through the day, right? Right. And so that was really inspiring to me as opposed to before. I think there was just kind of going through the motions of daily Mass. I mean, it's so convenient at Our Lady of Wisdom with the Rage and Cajun Catholics. Yeah. Like, all of that is just offered to you, and it's very easy to just be like, oh, I'll just go to Mass because I can. We're now saying yes. Pointed. Yeah. Exactly. Saying yeah. yes to the trip there was, I need to go to Mass. Mm-hmm. I have to go to Mass. And then post-India, it's... It's funny because I feel like I'm experiencing India almost more deeply here now that I've left. I understand that. Than when I was there. When you're there, it's just overstimulating and you're just drinking it all in and it's beautiful and it's fun. It's exciting. And when you get back, it's like, oh, wow. Like, you kind of get exciting. to sit and meditate with the gravity of it and really ponder it. Like, it talks about Mary pondering these things in her heart after um, you know, the Annunciation. Right. And so... With that, it was, yeah, so post-India, it's been really meditative and beautiful. And fruitful. All
1: right, just uh, coming to the end of the show, uh, going to be a future psychologist here in Lafayette. Can't looking forward to that. <laughs> She's got it going on and got a beautiful love for the Lord. I would ask you this question. What's what's your Lent going to look like, and maybe what what how, how would you give some advice to, to others out there?
0: Yeah, for me personally, I really hope that I can fashion this Lent after what I've learned from the people in Calcutta, which is simplicity. That's really what I want to be my word, of just living simply and intentionally and relying on Christ. Um, And then I really hope that, again, the, the service that I encountered, that I was able to experience in India, I really want to carry that into this land. So for me, it's going to be living with intention, And living as simply as I can, whether that means cold showers or fasting on days where it's not necessary, just anything to kind of bring my eyes and my mind back to those people that I encountered there, where it was the simplest things was like life-giving to them.
1: I keep a diary, Lizzie, and uh, I wrote in my diary some of the things God is speaking to me, um, and simple was was right there. Mm -hmm. I told you, you and I, we're like kindred spirits here. (laughs) God's telling me, keep it simple and slow down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting. So, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, your testimony is a blessing. And if we need to donate, you still need to recoup some money. Absolutely, how do we do that?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, how do? How should we do that, Todd? I don't I mean, know. We you can got a Facebook or something? something yeah, or? yeah. I have a Facebook, um, Elizabeth Jurek, or Lizzie Jurek, as it would probably be under. Okay. Um, and yeah, you can go there, and I'll have a link there, and y'all can donate there if you. And you'd
1: future like. mission trips.
0: Future mission trips. Coming. Yeah. All right. For good sure. deal.
1: Give to Lizzie. She's doing a great job representing us all. And uh, we love you for it. And um, just keep up the good work, Lizzie. Thank you for being on the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: You've been listening to Cajun Catholics. Uh, We always challenge you to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Until next time, God bless.